right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Tuesday, October 26, 2021, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well today. Welcome to the African History Network show. It's been a very, very busy day. I was watching some more of the documentary, The Civil War, uh, Civil War, The Roots of Our Division on MSNBC. I recorded it. I watched it um, completely once. I was going back watching it again uh, today, taking notes. Now, you know, we talked about the documentary on our Monday show. And in the documentary, one of the things they deal with is the Clinton, Mississippi massacre of 1875. Okay. Now um, on yesterday's show, you know, we talked about one of the things we dealt with at the end of the show was the uh, St. Bernard Parish Massacre, the St. Bernard Parish Massacre that took place in Louisiana, October 25th, 1868, because yesterday was the anniversary of the St. Bernard Parish Massacre. And I said uh, on today's show, we will continue our discussion about the documentary uh, Civil War, The Roots of Our Division, and we would talk about the Clinton, Mississippi massacre of 1875. Okay. The Clinton, Mississippi uh, massacre of 1875 that uh, began September 4th, 1875. Okay. So that's what we'll uh, discuss today. And we'll talk some more about the, uh, uh, the documentary. If you saw it, give us a call 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600. Let us know what you thought about the documentary that aired Sunday on MSNBC. And it's also streaming on Peacock, Civil War, The Roots of Our Division. And they, one of the things they dealt with is um, how the history of the Civil War is has been incorrectly taught, especially in the South. And they also deal with how a lot of not, uh, not a lot of attention is given to the Reconstruction period from uh, 1865 to 1877. All right, so uh, we'll we'll discuss that now. Also, uh, we know the uh, trial of the three white men accused of uh, killing Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, that trial resumed on Monday. Jury selection. Monday, October 25th. It continued today. So we'll give a brief update also in what's going on in the trial. Um, we know that the, uh, today we know that the uh, defense um, wanted to have uh, protesters uh, removed from the, uh, from the courthouse lawn uh, removed from the uh, 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 the, the area uh, out in front of the courthouse. They want the protesters uh, removed. A defense motion seeking to limit signs and demonstration outside of the Glen County uh, courthouse uh, where three men are on trial and the shooting death of Ahmaud Arbery was uh, made. The judge ruled on that today. We'll give you information about that as well. Something else is also interesting that uh, took place dealing with the trial. 
Uh, I saw a couple of stories written on this, and ABC News has one. Um, right near the Glen County Courthouse, there is a statue of a Confederate monument, okay, uh, dealing with the Ahmad, uh, the, the, the uh, killing of Ahmaud Arbery in this trial. Right near the... Um, Right near the courthouse, there is a statue of a Confederate monument. ABC News uh, has an article dealing with this. Uh, Confederate statue hiding in plain sight near trial of three white men accused of killing Ahmaud Arbery. Now, it's interesting that this trial is going on at the same time that the documentary aired uh, on MSNBC. Uh, civil war. And if we look at this here, now keep in mind, this is Georgia and Georgia has the largest Confederate, largest Confederate monument in the country called stone mountain. It's in stone mountain, Georgia, Confederate statue hiding in plain sight near trial of three white men accused of killing Ahmaud Arbery. Um, a statue of a Confederate soldier holding a rifle in a less than a mile from Georgia, from the Georgia courthouse where, uh, the trial is taking place has been hidden in plain sight, hidden in plain sight, wrapped in sheets of plastic, apparently to protect it from vandalism. The monument that has stood for 110 years in the center of Hanover Square in Brunswick, Georgia, Brunswick, Georgia, has become a lightning rod for discourse in the Glen County community since Ahmad Arbery was allegedly chased down and fatally shot in 2020, while uh, uh, while according to prosecutors he was out for a Sunday job. So it's it's interesting that you have this Confederate monument. That is, uh, according to according to this report here, less than a mile from the uh, Glen County uh, courthouse, and also on uh, Travis McMichael's uh, pickup truck on his vehicle, he had a vanity plate which had uh, the Confederate battle flag on it. And it was a vanity plate similar to the Georgia uh, state flag, which existed from the 1950s to the 2000s sometime. So we see how, I mean, this is a former Confederate state. And these symbols, even though they say this is part of our history, you know, this is Southern heritage, things like this. And this was dealt with in the documentary. It's 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 a Southern heritage of white supremacy. It's a southern heritage of white supremacy. They may say it's, you know, southern culture, things like this. Well, you have to understand the Confederate battle flag of northern Virginia under General Robert E. Lee's army was brought back out as an opposition to civil rights and advancements of civil rights. And when Strom Thurmond ran for president in 1947, 1948 as a Dixiecrat, 
He was a Southern segregationist Democrat. He ran as a Dixiecrat. The Confederate battle flag is brought back out as a, as opposition to the civil rights movement because the Democratic Party on their platform in uh, the 1947-1948 presidential election, they had a pro-civil rights platform. And the Southern segregationists were against this. So we'll discuss this a little bit at the end of the show. All right. Um, you can still register for the 10-week uh, online course that I teach on Saturdays from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement of Black Power, 1865 to 1968. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, Uh, We have the information there. It's a 10-week online course, and we deal with uh, some history leading up to the Civil War. It meets Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We started in 1803 with the Louisiana Purchase, and each class we go through and analyze approximately a 10-year, sometimes 15-year uh, period of history. We do the sessions. The sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch it anytime. Okay. Uh, so visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for that. As soon as you register, you can watch the class we just did this past Saturday. All right. Now on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct your own behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow the people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. Now, we do with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We do with current events in history, politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter. Also, uh, text the word, uh, and also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Sign up for the email newsletter there as well. I want to jump into the story here dealing with the Clinton, Mississippi massacre of 1875. Now, we just talked about it here in my Saturday class. You know, we just talked about this um, in my Saturday class because this took place during Reconstruction. And uh, we're dealing with the uh, we dealt with uh, Reconstruction and we dealt with the uh, presidential election of 1876. And now we're really about to get into the compromise of 1877, which ends Reconstruction and turns back the hands of progress uh, for African-Americans. OK, so there's a historical marker. Now, this was talked about in the in the in the uh, in the movie. Um, the, this is a historical marker here in blackpass.org has a good article dealing with the Clinton, Mississippi. Some sources say Clinton, Mississippi massacre. Other sources say Clinton, Mississippi riot of 1875. The Clinton riot on September 4th, 1875, Charles Caldwell, a former slave and Republican state senator, a former slave and Republican state senator, um, organized a political rally at Moses Hill. Firing erupted during the rally, attended by more than 1,500 African-Americans and about 75 whites, including some white Democrats. During the ensuing melee, at least four whites and five African-Americans were killed. But in the next few days, many more African-Americans were killed by vigilante mobs from nearby towns. The violence served as a pretext for the return of white rule 
and the end of Reconstruction in Mississippi. So during the Reconstruction era, there's about 2,000 African-Americans that get to public office, statewide office, uh, state legislature, even into uh, Congress, okay? We know we talked about yesterday, October 19th, um, 1870, you had uh, the first African American, um, uh, first African Americans elected into uh, the House of Representatives, October 19th, 1870. Zen Education Project has a good piece on this. And uh, after Reconstruction ends, you're going to have the state, you're going to have the uh, state constitutions uh, rewritten to impose poll taxes and literacy tests to suppress the African-American vote and lock us out of uh, statewide political office, lock us out of political office largely, all right? October 19th, 1870, first African-Americans elected to the House of Representatives. First African-Americans elected to the House of Representatives. This is a famous uh, uh, painting right here, okay, of, of these African-American men who were in the uh, uh, U.S. House of Representatives. Okay, we're coming up here on the break. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. And we'll talk about the uh, Clinton, Mississippi uh, massacre of 1875 that surrounded politics. It's the surrounded politics. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show right here on 910A on the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes. Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our story, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. After History Network show, we deal with current events of history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Unfortunately, many people confuse what racism means. Racism is a power structure. With laws and policies that put us in this predicament, it's going to be laws and policies that take us out. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. We have it all on 910 AM Superstation. <laughs> 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Tuesday, October 26, 2021. And we are live calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600. Is the calling number if you have a question or comment. Okay, so uh, right before the break, we were talking about uh, the Clinton, Mississippi uh, massacre of 1875 during Reconstruction. And this was something that was talked about in the documentary that aired on Sunday, October 24th uh, on MSNBC, the Civil, the Civil War, the Roots of Our uh, Division the Civil War, the roots of our division. Okay, some of you all saw it. If you saw the documentary, give me a call. 
313-778-7600. is the calling number. Let me know what you thought about it. Uh, we're going to go, we're going to go to, uh, clip one, Shakita. There, there was a, uh, part in the documentary where they were in Mississippi and speaking with, uh, Professor, uh, Missy Johnson, I think was her name, Missy Johnson. And, um, Missy Johnson is talking about the, uh, Clinton, Mississippi, uh, massacre on morning joe we we played the clip yesterday from uh morning joe on msnbc uh from october 22nd friday october 22nd 2021 we're going to go back to a portion of that clip here where they uh mentioned the clinton mississippi massacre this documentary is from executive producer brad pitt and also uh, dr henry lewis gates jr and the um, director of the film is, uh, I think it's uh, Rachel Boyton and the producer's Erica Dilday. Uh, let's, let's go to this clip, uh, clip one, Shakita. Okay, we'll get that queued up. Um, hey family in Mississippi. My dad is from New York. My mom's family was from South Mississippi. 90% white, 10% black, still segregated in the ways in which people in the communities live. Um, but I was raised in a racist family, racist community at the time in which I grew up. Things have changed uh, in a good bit now. But for me, I think... Um, they want to repeat that I feel responsibility um, with the profession that I've chosen to tell things accurately and to not repeat generational um, incorrectness um, with my own family. I want to do something different. What's so powerful about that moment, at least for me, is it, it, it captures the intimacy of our hatreds. There's a sense in which it is rooted in our families, it's rooted in our loved ones. She puts up the marker in, in Clinton, Mississippi, to mark 1875, an act of extraordinary violence. We think about 1898 and the Wilmington Massacre, but 1875, why, why was that such an important moment? for you in the film, because it was a powerful moment in the film, at least for me as I watched. That story was essential to have in the film. It was very hard to figure out how to film silence. There's a lot of silence in this country around very important events. And knowing what image you can capture, who you can talk to in order to make those silences felt and real, I was very lucky to find Melissa Jones and to be able to tell the story of that marker because it clarifies what has been denied, the violence, the white violence that has been denied over time. Erica, I'm, I'm, sorry. I'm right. I'm wondering what your best hope, and you can continue with your thought uh, as well as you answer this, um, what young people in America will take away from this film. I think one of the things that they will take away, hopefully, is very simple, that if we don't understand our history, then we're doomed to repeat it. 
and also that we will never be able to heal and to come together as a nation if we don't talk about the issues that have divided us and talk about them honestly and openly. We just don't do that. Rachel Boynton and Erica Gilday, thank you both very, very much for being on this morning and for doing this. The documentary, Civil War, premieres this Sunday at 10 p.m. Eastern on MSNBC and is streaming right now on Peacock. Thank you both very much. Okay. So, um, okay, you can pause it right there. All right. So in this, uh, in that clip there from MSNBC, they mentioned a segment of the documentary that deals with the Clinton, Mississippi uh, massacre of 1875. Uh, I want to look at this uh, piece here from uh, MississippiEncyclopedia.org, MississippiEncyclopedia.org, dealing with the Clinton, Mississippi. Uh, they called it the Clinton, Mississippi massacre. So a riot turned massacre in Clinton, Mississippi in 1875 was one of the bloodiest episodes of racial violence and lynching in state history and functioned as the beginning of the end of reconstruction and functioned as the beginning of the end of reconstruction in the state of Mississippi. Now, it's important to note, Mississippi is the state that has the largest number of lynchings in this country, we, we talk about this in my class that I teach, um, from 1882 to 1968, there were 4,743 lynchings recorded uh, in this country. NAACP has information on this. Uh, Equal Justice Initiative has information on this. Uh, 581 lynchings were in the state of Mississippi. Mississippi had the most number of lynchings. So the Clinton, Mississippi massacre was the inaugural event to the infamous Mississippi plan, the Mississippi plan that we've talked about a lot here on this show, the Mississippi plan, 1890, Mississippi state convention, they rewrite the state constitution and legalize poll taxes and literacy tests to suppress the African-American vote in, the, in a state where African-Americans made up the majority of the population. African-Americans were the majority of the population during Reconstruction and afterwards in Mississippi. And you had a minority population rewriting the state constitution to suppress the African-American vote. And that plan became known as the Mississippi plan. And it's going to be adopted by other Southern states to do the same thing. This was the, the Clinton, Mississippi massacre of 1875 was the inaugural event to the infamous Mississippi plan designed by white Democrats to quote unquote, redeem the state from the control, redeem the state from the control of newly enfranchised freedmen, former slaves, and the Republican party during the 1875 election. It also served as the impetus, and let's blow this up a little bit more. Some people are watching this on a smartphone. It also served as the impetus for the issuance of the President Ulysses S. Grant, uh, for the issuance of President Ulysses S. Grant controversial policy of federal non-intervention, 
controversial policy of federal non-intervention concerning matters of race in Southern states. Okay. As we said, as we talked about yesterday, I think we said this on my show yesterday, because I know I said it this weekend as reconstruction continues, the commitment from this country, from Republicans was declining. And then in the, and also in the 1874 midterm elections, Democrats took back control of the House of Representatives. There was a declining, and we know that the, the Freedmen's Bank collapses in 1874 also. So about $2.9 million worth of African-Americans deposits are lost. Toward the end of Reconstruction, which ends in 1877, there's a declining, a waning commitment to African-Americans from the Republican Party. In 1871, October 1871, we know the Ku Klux Klan Act was uh, was passed by Congress. And the Ku Klux Klan Act gave um, authority to the president to declare martial law, uh, to declare martial law and uh, in, 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 uh, in territories where you had uh, the Klan and other white domestic terrorist organizations could be, could be the Knights of the white camellia could be the white liners or what have you. Um, but they were threatening, intimidating, assaulting, killing elected officials, jurors, voters, etc. All right. And we're, we're going to see this used, uh, in 1871 in South Carolina. Um, Ulysses S. Grant is going to declare martial law in uh, nine counties in South, in South Carolina to crack down on the Ku Klux Klan. Well, this is in 1871. The Republicans control the U.S. Senate, the White House, and the House of Representatives. Republicans lose control of the House of Representatives in the 1874 midterm elections. Come 1875, when you have the Clinton, Mississippi race, uh, race massacre, Ulysses S. Grant does not want to get involved. He, he, issue, he issues his non-intervention policy in 1875, whereas in 1871, he got involved. Now, the, uh, the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871 passed in, uh, uh, April 20th, 1871. On this date, the House uh, of Representatives approved an act to enforce the provisions of the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution of the United States and for the purposes also known as and for other purposes also known as the Ku Klux Klan Act introduced as House Resolution uh, 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 320 on March 28, 1871, by Representative uh, Samuel uh, Shellabarger uh, uh, Barger of Ohio. All right. Now the, um, if we scroll down here, uh, April 20, after both chambers of Congress agreed to, uh, to the conference report on April 20th, president Ulysses S. Grant signed the bill into law later that day, nearly six months later in October, 1871, president Ulysses S. Grant used these powers in several South Carolina counties, 
demonstrating the willingness of the Republican-led federal government to uh, take decisive action to protect the civil and political rights of the freed people during Reconstruction, of the freed people during Reconstruction. With that, toward the end of Reconstruction, that commitment was declining. And we see it uh, with the Clinton, Mississippi massacre of 1875, four years later. Okay, I want to go back here to Mississippi Encyclopedia. Just a second here. Let's have all these tabs open. That uh, uh, that one dealing with the Ku Klux Klan Act, that is from uh, history.house.gov. History.house.gov. House.gov is the official website of the U.S. House of Representatives. History.house.gov is their history section. The U.S. House of Representatives has a history section, just like Senate.gov has a history section as well. So I, so I go there and do research. Uh, so read this here. The Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871 is one of the four force acts passed during the uh, 1870s. The force acts, F-O-R-C-E, the force acts. All right, let's continue. So. The, the, the Clinton, Mississippi massacre of 1875 also served as the impetus for the issuance of uh, President Ulysses S. Grant's uh, controversial policy of federal non-intervention, federal non-intervention concerning matters of race in southern states, which eventually paved the way for the rise of Jim Crow laws and segregation which eventually paved the way for the rise of Jim Crow laws and segregation. Because when, when we go into the 1880s and 1890s, we see this really take hold. And we see these laws changing in these Southern states. Freedmen first began voting in Mississippi in 1867. And the 1875 uh, election promised to continue the incorporation of African-American men within the state's political process. With polls set to open on November 2nd, on November 2nd, the Mississippi Republican Party planned uh, political rallies on September 4th, 1875 at Utica and Clinton in Hines County, Utica and Clinton in Hines County, Mississippi, and at Vernon in nearby uh, Madison County. In Clinton, Mississippi, which is located less than a less than 10 miles west of the state capital of Jackson, Mississippi. Whole families of African-American Republicans gathered at Moss Hill, M-O-S-S, -S, Moss Hill, the site of former plant, uh, the site of a former plantation destroyed by Union troops during the Vicksburg campaign of 1863 during the Civil War. Now, estimates of the attendance that day uh, in uh, September 4th, 1875, ranged from 1,500 to 2,500 people, nearly all consisting of freed people, African-Americans, and their families who gathered to enjoy an afternoon of picnicking, cookouts, and politics. There were also approximately 75 white people present at least 18 of whom were armed and intoxicated white liners, white liners. Now the white liners were basically a paramilitary unit 
of the Mississippi Democratic Party, the white liners. All, all the white supremacists didn't belong to the Ku Klux Klan. Ku Klux Klan it was a fraternal organization. Just because somebody wore, wore a white sheet didn't mean they belonged to the Klan. The Ku Klux Klan was a fraternal organization that were also domestic terrorists. They had bylaws, secret handshakes. They had initiation process, all of that. That's, that's the Klan. You go and study the Klan founded December 24th, 1865 in Pulaski, Tennessee. The second incarnation of the Ku Klux Klan hasn't happened yet. That happens October 1915. Uh, uh, that, that was um, created by the Reverend William Joseph Simmons after he saw the movie Birth of a Nation that we talked about on yesterday's show. So you had at least 18 of the 75 white people were armed in intoxicated white liners, white liners, essentially a paramilitary unit of the Mississippi Democratic Party made up of ex-Confederate soldiers and their descendants. And, the, and white liners are talked about in the documentary from MSNBC. Aware of racial tensions, Republican Governor Adelbert Ames was, essential, was initially scheduled to speak to the crowd, but Captain H.T. Fisher, a former union officer and editor of a local Republican newspaper, spoke in place of the governor. In the spirit of open debate, in the spirit of open debate and to educate newly enfranchised voters, new African-Americans who are now voting, many, some of them for the first time, in the spirit of open debate and to educate newly enfranchised voters on the election process, Hines County Republican leaders issued an invitation to the local Democratic Party to send a speaker of their own to address the crowd first. Now, Amos R. Johnston was the, uh, was the Democratic candidate for state senator, Amos R. Johnston. He spent, uh, he spoke for an hour without incident. However, when um, uh, Mr. Fisher took to the platform, he was heckled by white liners from Raymond, Mississippi. Republican organizers, including African-American state, uh, uh, Senator, state Senator Charles Caldwell from Clinton, Mississippi, made several appeals for peace. Now, keep in mind, you have African-Americans getting elected into the state legislature in Mississippi at this time. African-Americans were the majority population in Mississippi, period. And Charles Caldwell was an African-American state senator of Mississippi. The events of that afternoon quickly escalated into violence. Eugene Wellborn, another rally, another rally organizer, testified that the white liners fell into formation, brandished weapons, and trained them upon the crowd. It reminds me of the January 6th insurrection. That's what it reminds me of, the January 6th insurrection. Quote, the, the thing opened just like lightning. The thing opened just like lightning, he recalled. And the shot rained in there just like rain from heaven. And the shot rained in there just like rain from heaven. 
fatalities that day numbered three whites and at least five African-Americans, two of whom were children, two of whom were children. That's something talked about in the documentary from MSNBC. Sadly, the violence of September 4th, 1875 served as a prelude to the racial massacre that was to come. That wasn't the worst part that took place on September 4th. Amidst, uh, amidst false rumors of an African-American plot to storm the town, and when you study these massacres, a lot of them start because of rumors, conspiracy theories. This is why you got to be really careful when you have people in elected position pushing conspiracy theories that have been debunked over and over again. That is extremely dangerous. There's a whole history showing what happens when people push conspiracy theories, especially surrounding elections. Amidst false rumors of an African-American plot to storm the town, Clinton, Mississippi's mayor called for assistance. Hundreds of white liners, these white supremacist paramilitary group, okay, these white liners, Hundreds of white liners traveled by railroad to Clinton, Mississippi, and their numbers quickly swelled to several hundred to several hundred by nightfall. Eugene Wellborn said they, referring to the white liners, just hunted the whole country clean out. Just hunted the whole country clean out. Just every black man they could see they were shooting at him just the same as birds. Just every black man they could see, they were shooting at him just as just the same as birds. Sarah Dickey was a white educator, a white female educator from Ohio who had moved to Mississippi to educate African-American women and children. Sarah Dickey later described the scene in a letter to President Ulysses S. Grant proclaiming, quote, I was at the Republican mass meeting held at this place, Clinton, Mississippi. The Democrats who were on the ground went there for the express purpose of creating disturbance and of killing as many as they could. You hear a great deal about the massacre at Clinton, but you do not hear the worst. It cannot be told. You hear a great deal about the massacre at Clinton, but you do not hear the worst. It cannot be told because the way the story was told in, in Mississippi is that the Clinton Mississippi massacre was the fault of African-Americans. They even printed this in newspapers in, in the documentary. And we will try to post this here. I forgot to post it here uh, on, on, on uh, social media. We'll try to post uh, some of it here so you can see it. Cause I took some screenshots of it. Uh, they had one, uh, they had one newspaper story, Negroes murder whites. Okay. That was one newspaper story. And then there was another newspaper story that, um, blame basically blamed African-Americans for it. And this is something, this is the same thing that happened, um, in, in Tulsa with the Tulsa race massacre. Okay. This is the same thing that happened in Tulsa. African-Americans were blamed in Tulsa for the Tulsa race massacre. 
This is one of the reasons why the insurance uh, uh, companies wouldn't pay out on the insurance claims on the on the businesses. Uh, so there's, there's this other uh, newspaper article. Uh, brutal mutilization of whites, brutal mutilization of whites. The white newspapers blamed African-Americans for uh, the massacre. And this is even in Mississippi today. This is this massacre is not really talked about. Really, only the um, um, the only history surrounding it is that historical marker that they have. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to pull this up here quickly. How's everybody doing? Share this broadcasting on social media platforms. Invite your friends to tune in. We're talking about the documentary that aired on. Um, MSNBC on uh, aired on Sunday, October 24th, and is streaming on Peacock right now. And it's called Civil War The Root of Our Division. And um, at one point in the documentary, about halfway through, they talk about the Clinton, Mississippi massacre of 1875. And that's what we're talking about today. If you're just joining us, all right. Let me uh, let me try to pull this up here. So this one here, which one is this one? Okay, Negro Negro murders white. This is a a newspaper story in a local newspaper at the time this happened. And this story says, can we blow this up more? When Judge Johnston concluded his address and after Fisher had spoken some 30 minutes, a disturbance arose on the outskirts of the crowd. Immediately, uh, orders were given for the Negroes to rally. Snare drums began to beat a rapid and continual roll. The cry of kill the white men. The cry of kill the white man, the cry of kill the white man was raised and the woods fairly swarmed with Negroes armed with pistols and knives and brandishing clubs. The little band of white men, 11 in number, retreated about 40 yards along a branch asking the Negroes to stand back and keep the pace. Sorry, keep the peace, P-E-A-C-E, keep the peace, and saying they desired no difficulty. The Negroes pressed forward, forward in large numbers, crying, quote, run over the whites, kill the damned whites, end quote. This is, this is what they wrote in the newspaper at this time. That's not what happened. There was a massacre, and African Americans were the ones being killed. Yeah, we fought back, normally, like we normally do. That's self-defense, but no, that's not how it happened. So while the violence, we go back to Mississippi Encyclopedia, while the violence following September 4th resulted in no additional deaths of white Democrats, the African-American death toll was estimated to be between 35 and 50. African-American death toll was estimated to be between 35 and 50 with the names of uh, many black victims never being recorded. 
William P. Haffa, a white Republican from Pennsylvania and running for reelection as justice of the peace was also lynched. Okay. Because um, when you had these domestic terrorist organizations, including the Ku Klux, Ku Klux Klan, they were also lynching white Republicans. And in some cases they were lynching white Jews as well. Okay. There were uh, from 1882 to 1968, there were 1,297 white people lynched also because Republicans, especially during reconstruction largely were allies of African-Americans. Now it's going, it's going to change with the compromise of 1877 because the, the, the Republicans and Democrats are going to betray us. Okay. Um, but yeah, you, you, you're going to have white Republicans who are lynched as well. Now, despite countless requests for federal assistance uh, by governor Ames and other citizens like Eugene Wellborn and, 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 and Sarah Dickey, President Ulysses S. Grant, who was a Republican, President Ulysses S. Grant declared on September 13th, 1875, that, quote, the whole public, the whole, check this out, the whole public are tired out with the annual autumnal outbreaks in the South. The whole public are tired out with these annual autumnal outbreaks in the South, end quote. And subsequently, President Ulysses S. Grant adopted a policy of non-intervention with respect to the state of Mississippi and the rest of the former Confederacy. What he's saying is, he's saying, look, the, the, the rest of the country is tired of hearing about the South in the autumn killing African-Americans and going crazy. They're tired of hearing that. Toward the end of Reconstruction, there was a declining commitment from Republicans to, to African-Americans. Despite the dozens of victims in September, the reign of terror in Clinton, Mississippi was not yet complete as the year came to a close. Nearly, nearly two months after the November 2nd election, which effectively ended reconstruction in Mississippi, the white, Democrat, the white, the white Democrats of Clinton lured the black Senator Caldwell into the cellar of a local store under the pretense of sharing drinks during the Christmas season. I would not have gone, and I don't drink either. When the men's glasses were struck in toast, Senator Caldwell was shot through the window of the store cellar. Upon being shot, the African-American state Senator Caldwell was taken outside to die in the street. As he lay dying, a white pastor reported that Senator Caldwell, state Senator Caldwell, confronted his assassins with his last words saying, remember when you kill me, that you kill a gentleman and a brave man. Never say you killed a coward. I want you to remember it when I am gone, end quote. This is a history lesson here. One, uh, be careful who you drink with. Two, this is about the Clinton, Mississippi massacre of 1875, um, which was also talked about in the documentary Civil War, the Roots of Our Division on MSNBC. Be sure to register for the 10-week online course that I teach on Saturdays from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. We go through and each class analyze about a 10-year period of history. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register there. As soon as you register, you can watch the class we did um, 
this past uh, weekend. Okay, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, keep watching. We're out of time here on 910 AM Superstation. Right now, it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right, stand by, everybody. Okay, stand by. Okay, so that that piece is from uh, Mississippi Encyclopedia. Mississippi Encyclopedia, Clinton, Mississippi Massacre of 1875. This is the type of these are the type of things we deal with in the class. Um, the root the 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 blackpass.org also has a good piece uh, on this also. And, and this, this massacre is not talked about a lot. And there were a lot of massacres surrounding political elections, surrounding politics and trying to intimidate African-Americans to keep us from voting. OK. And and uh, and also those uh, 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 riots attacking African-American elected officials like the Vicksburg massacre um, in uh, 1874, Vicksburg, Mississippi. Okay, so we talked about this historical marker here. Now, this is um, the Clinton riot historic marker in Hines County, Mississippi, March 22nd, 2018. The Clinton riot historic marker in Hines County, Mississippi, March 22nd, 2018. All right. Um, so we talked about this already. Now, some estimates like blackpass.org and also um, blackpass.org puts the estimate of African-Americans killed in total at, at, at about 50, okay, at about 50, uh, September 4th, and then afterwards, the attack that took place afterwards, they put the, they put the number of African-Americans killed at uh, 50. All right, now, we've also talked about, and we'll post the link here, um, Again, so you can register for the online course also. Uh, we talked, they talked about the Mississippi plan in that piece from uh, Mississippi Encyclopedia. And this article here lays out the Mississippi plan. The Mississippi plan to keep blacks from voting in 1890. We came here to exclude the Negro. We came here to exclude the Negro. And this is what um, White County Judge Solomon Saladin Calhoun uh, said at the convention, he said this is why they were there. Okay, so th the Reconstruction period and what happens after Reconstruction is a pivotal, pivotal point in history that is not taught about a lot and oftentimes is not taught correctly, which has a direct impact on conditions today. And we're, we're at a pivotal point in this country that was a pivotal point that um, we had the same inflection point as when Reconstruction ended. And all these laws were being changed and the state legislatures are changing laws to suppress the African-American vote, just like state legislatures dominated by Republicans are changing laws to suppress the African-American vote, Latino vote and all these things. In, 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 in different uh, groups of non-white people. Well, if we look at this, and then we're going to get to uh, Ahmad Arbery here in just a second. This is from May 1st, 2021. May 1st, 2021, Ronald G. Schaefer. And it talks about the Mississippi State Convention. 
the convention's president, Solomon Saladin Calhoun, a white county judge, a white county judge, let's see, blow this up, put the, uh, put voting, put the voting issue bluntly. He said, let's not, he said, let's tell the truth. If it bursts the bottom of the universe, he said, we came here to exclude the Negro. Nothing short of this will answer. This is in 1890 at a time when African-Americans made up the majority of the population of Mississippi. And, 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 and these are, these are white people in the state legislature who are going to change the state constitution to suppress the African-American vote. We came here to exclude the Negro. Nothing short of this will answer. Mississippi delegates eventually adopted a literacy test and a poll tax geared to suppress the black vote in a state with a black majority. Mississippi state delegates eventually adopted a literacy test and a poll tax geared to suppress the black vote in a state with a black majority. The Mississippi plan became the model throughout the South, part of a, part of a raft of racially oppressive Jim Crow laws that ended Reconstruction. And they talk about the Mississippi plan in the documentary. President Joe Biden and others warned that Jim Crow style disenfranchisement is resurfacing in efforts by Republican legislatures in Georgia, where the trial for the three white men who allegedly, who, who well, they killed Ahmaud Arbery because they admitted, we know they killed him. They say self-defense. Um, others say differently based upon the video. In Georgia, Texas and other states to restrict voting. Georgia and Texas are both former Confederate states. The moves are in response to the to Donald Trump, the trader in chief, Donald Trump's false claims of widespread voter fraud in the 2020 presidential election. And I, I cannot stress enough what happens when you have people in political office who are spreading conspiracies and spreading lies. This is how massacres start. This is how massacres start. This is how the Clinton, Mississippi massacre spread. Because, because of lies being told. Okay, so read the rest of this article because they also talk about um, Hiram Rhodes Revels, who um, was uh, uh, a senator from Mississippi, U.S. Senator from Mississippi, Hiram Rhodes Revels. This is Hiram Rhodes Revels here. And he was seated in 1870. And then, the, and then they also in this article talk about um, um, his name is escaping me right now. Um, it'll come to me here in just a second. He's like Senator Tim Scott, not Hiram Rose Revels. Um, he was the mayor of Bayou, Mississippi. Uh, this guy right here, 
Isaiah T. Montgomery, Isaiah Thornton Montgomery. I don't know if Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina is related to Isaiah T. Montgomery, but Isaiah T. Montgomery was in the Mississippi State Legislature at the time of the Mississippi State Convention, and he voted for the new state constitution that imposed the poll taxes and literacy tests on African-Americans. He voted for this. Now he was a wealthy African-American man. He was the founder of Bayou Mississippi and he was a, he was a, a wealthy landowner. Okay. Reverend uh, revered black abolitionist Frederick Douglass said Isaiah T. Montgomery commits unconscionable treason to his race in surrendering his franchise. In surrendering the right to vote. This is what this is what Frederick Douglass said of Isaiah T. Montgomery. Earlier, earlier African Americans from 40 counties in Mississippi have protested the president, President Benjamin Harrison, but he declined to intervene. Let's back up for a minute here. See, this is what happens after Reconstruction ends. The only African American delegate at the Mississippi State Convention was Isaiah T. Montgomery. And Isaiah T. Montgomery supported these requirements, the poll taxes and the, the convention also adopted a $2 poll tax equal to the amount of $58 a day that disproportionately eliminated African-American voters, that disproportionately eliminated black voters, most of whom were very poor. So Isaiah T. Montgomery went along with this. And I've said before, you know, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, who, who, who got on Face the Nation and spoke negatively about the $4 billion in debt relief for black farmers, that it helps 6,000 black farmers in his own state that he's not doing anything for. And he, and he got on Face the Nation and, and trashed the, the, the $4 billion in debt relief. And he's the junior senator from South Carolina. Hopefully he won't be reelected because he's up for reelection in 2022. The senior senator from South Carolina, punk ass Lindsey Graham, said, 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 said the $4 billion in debt relief for African-American farmers to deal with decades of discrimination by the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the federal government towards African-American farmers. He said it, he said it was racist. He said he was on Lindsey Graham was on Fox News. He said it was racist and he said white farmers can't take advantage of it. Now, he didn't say anything about the tw almost twenty six billion dollars in, in COVID-19 payments that white farmers got from the Trump administration. And African-American farmers only got one tenth of one percent. He, he didn't talk about that at all. The Mississippi State Convention also adopted a two dollar poll tax equal to about fifty eight dollars today that disproportionately eliminated black voters, most of whom were very poor. The only African-American delegate, delegate Isaiah T. Montgomery, supported these requirements. He had been enslaved by the brother of Confederate President Jefferson Davis. Jefferson Davis was one of the biggest traders in the history of the country. Jefferson Davis was also a slave owner from, from Mississippi. Isaiah T. Montgomery, an educated and successful businessman, said that Mississippi's uneducated blacks would approve of the restrictions for the good of the state. So he, he sounds like Senator Tim Scott. Isaiah T. Montgomery said Mississippi's uneducated blacks 
would approve of the restrictions on their voting rights for the good of the state. Well, the state was no good. The, the state of Mississippi was no good, at least the state legislature. Isaiah T. Montgomery's optimistic view that African-Americans would be treated equally as their education level rose. Now, he was wealthy. He felt that African-Americans would be treated equally as their education level rose. He said, quote, the, the two great races shall peaceably travel side by side, each mutually assisting the other to mount higher. He, uh, end quote, he declared in a nationally publicized speech at the convention. Revered black abolitionist Frederick Douglass said Isaiah T. Montgomery, quote, commits unconscionable treason to his race in surrendering his franchise. Unconscionable treason to his race in surrendering his franchise, end quote. The Mississippi State Convention adopted the new state constitution on November 1st, 1890, adding the new requirements to a provision allowing voting by male residents age 21 and older, except idiots, insane persons, and Indians not taxed, except idiots, insane persons, and idiots not taxed. Now that'd be half of the Republican Party today. Um, idiots and insane persons. That'd be a lot of the uh, Republicans in the House of Representatives right now. And then and some of them in the Senate. Ron Johnson, Lindsey Graham, uh, Rand Paul, uh, uh, Josh Hawley. When Northern newspapers denounced the literacy test as discriminatory, one Mississippi state uh, senator responded, quote, I deny that the educational test was intended to exclude Negroes from voting. The sole purpose was to exclude persons of both races who from, who, who from want of intelligence are unsafe depositors of political power that more Negroes would be excluded is true. But that is not our fault. That more Negroes would be excluded is true, but that is not our fault. But that was the whole design because the Solomon Saladin Calhoun who, who, who presided over the Mississippi State Convention said, we are here to exclude the Negro. And that's just what they did. The new law took effect in, eight, in the 1892 election with a dramatic impact. Only 8,615 of the state's 76,742 black voters qualified to cast a ballot in the 1892 election. Only 8,615 
of the state of Mississippi's 76,742 black voters qualified to cast a ballot because of the new restrictions they put in place. Soon the Mississippi approach or the Mississippi plan spread to other Southern states, South Carolina, 1895 in their state constitution, Louisiana, 1898. We talked about the Louisiana state constitution on yesterday's show. Alabama, 1901. There's still racist language in the Alabama state constitution that African-Americans are trying to get removed right now. That's been there since 1901. As far as Mississippi, it remained in place for nearly 70 years until Congress passed the Voting Rights Act in 1965. Now you have Republicans trying to take us right back to 1890 and the Mississippi State Convention. In his speech to Congress proposing the Voting Rights Act in 1965, President Lyndon Baines Johnson specifically singled out the need to eliminate literacy tests specifically singled out the need to eliminate literacy tests for a Southern black voter. He said, quote, even a college degree cannot be used to prove he can read or write. Not even the college degree can be used to prove that he can read or write. A lot of the register, a lot of the white registrars in Mississippi, registrars in Mississippi were illiterate or functionally illiterate. President Johnson said, we cannot, we must not refuse to protect the right of every American to vote in every election that he may desire to participate in. You should say she also. So read the rest of this article here. It's from the Washington Post. It's a really, really good piece of history. The Mississippi Plan to keep blacks from voting in 1890. We came here to exclude the Negro. And that's what they're trying to do again. We came here to exclude the Negro and that's what they're focused on again. This is why we have to fight back. Politics is the legal distribution of scarce wealth, power and resources and the writing of law, statutes, ordinances, amendments and treaties, their adoption, interpretation and enforcement. Politics impacts every aspect of our lives from the water we drink to the air we breathe to the food we eat. Voting is one part of, of the whole political process. Voting is one part of politics. It's a, it's a crucial part. That's why you got over 400 bills by Republicans to make it harder to vote. It costs money to write these bills. If, 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 if the vote didn't matter, why are they working so hard to suppress the vote? All right. Um, so we posted a link here. You can, if you like this type of information, you can register for the 10 week online course that I teach on Saturdays from the civil war to the civil rights movement of black power, 1865 to 1968. Uh, it's at our website, African We just posted a link. You can use the link or at our website, African history network.com. It's on sale right now, $70, regularly $130. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. So even like next year, you want to go back and watch the full 10 week class. It's all there for you. You can go back and watch it. Okay. Click on uh, register here. It takes you to the next page and um, 
just click on enroll as soon as you enroll you can start watching the content and we'll see you in class on saturday all right uh th and the other class that i teach is uh ancient kemet the moors and the ma'afa understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school this one we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place this one we do on sundays 12 noon to 2 p.m eastern standard time Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach you in school, okay? And we deal with uh, ancient Kemet, ancient Egypt, the Nile Valley region of Africa, the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as Moors, who take the teachings from ancient Kemet and from the Nile Valley region of Africa into Europe, which brings Europe out of the Dark Ages. Um, and we deal with, of course, Christopher Columbus. You have to deal with Columbus because he helps to lay the foundation for slavery, racism, capitalism, and the exploitation of indigenous people. And we go through and see what leads to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. The The second class, so that's the first class. The second class is civil war to civil rights movement of black power, which basically picks up where we leave off in the first course. And because we're dealing with a, a shorter period of history, we can go in and do a deeper analysis uh, with the second class. All right. Um, that's all at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay, uh, I want to get to uh, a quick update here done with Ahmaud Arbery. We didn't deal, uh, talk about the trial at all on Monday. Uh, we know the trial was on recess on Friday, October 22nd. It resumed on Monday, October 25th, and it resumed the day. So jury selection is still going on. Um, and I want to go to this article here. Uh, judge rules justice for Ahmad signs supporters can stay outside courthouse. Now, this has been a point of contention by defense attorneys. And they're saying that the justice for Ahmad signs outside the courthouse, the protesters outside the courthouse, even though they've been peaceful protesters. They're saying that they could uh, somehow unfairly sway uh, the jury. So I want to uh, look at this here. Judge rules justice for Ahmad signs and supporters can stay outside courthouse. Jury selection continues in trial of three Glen County men accused of murder in Ahmad Arbery's uh, death. And if we look at this here, um, a defense motion seeking to limit signs outside the Glen County Courthouse where three men are on trial for the shooting death of Ahmaud Arbery was denied Tuesday morning by Superior Court Judge Timothy Wamsley. Okay. Um, a, a defense motion seeking to limit demonstrators outside and, and the signs was denied by, by the judge today. Since the trial began last Monday, uh, there have been anywhere from 10 
to over 100 people sitting on the lawn, some holding signs, some chanting justice for Ahmad. Uh, Judge Wamsley said today in court, I will note when I came in this morning, I didn't see anyone referring to protesters, anything like this. I didn't see anyone. In fact, it has been relatively quiet on the courthouse steps. Judge Wamsley said. Judge Wamsley went on to say there have been individuals. There have been individuals that have come uh, over the last week or so. I, uh, I have checked in with the sheriff a couple of times just to make sure we have not been having any issues that would cause the court concern. No reported arrests, no issues, end quote. Uh, I want to go to this clip here from uh, News 4 JAX in um, in Georgia, the Brunswick County uh, area. We'll go to this clip here. Uh, so just a second, let me cue this up. Just a minute, because I don't have my board operator now. We're only on 9, 10 a.m. for one hour. Hold on. Okay, this is queuing up. In the murder trial for Ahmad Arbery, Kevin Goff, a defense attorney for William Bryant, says, New this morning in the murder trial for Ahmad Arbery, Kevin Goff, a defense attorney for William Bryant, says the people outside the courthouse should not be allowed. Court officials are working to narrow the jury pool from hundreds to just a few dozen. News for Jack's reporter Janice Harris is live in front of the courthouse. Janice, the process to, to choose jurors continues to be a long one. It is a long process, but from one day to the next, you could see 10 to 100 people behind me on the lawn in front of the courthouse. Some are chanting, some are sitting in lawn chairs quietly, some are holding signs. But in either of those cases, one attorney on this case, a defense attorney, Kevin Goff, who is the attorney for William Roddy Ryan, says that he doesn't want anyone outside that courthouse. He believes they can have an influence on this trial and have a potential influence on those potential jurors. So a lot has happened this morning as he argued this in front of a judge. Goff showed four exhibits with examples of aerial photos of the courthouse, also a screenshot of a reporter with MSNBC interviewing Lee Merritt, an attorney for Arbery's mother, and mentioned Merritt on his Twitter saying specifically in a post, register to vote, show up for jury duty, and remember the phrase, I can be fair. Now, the prosecution objected to Goff's claim saying that Merritt has nothing to do with this case because he is not involved specifically in this trial. Goff says that there's indoctrination going on to influence the jury. He wants to have the area restricted from I Street, which is right around the perimeter of the courthouse, through Riddle Street to Ellis Street. Take a listen to what else he and also the judge had to say about this argument. We need to restrict the access to the jurors in this case. I will note when I came in this morning, I didn't see anyone. Uh, in fact, it has been relatively quiet on the courthouse steps. There have been um, individuals that have come uh, over the last week or so. Um, I uh, have checked in with the sheriff a couple times just to make sure that we have not been having any issues that should cause the court concern. Uh, no reported arrests, no issues.
So it was denied by the judge what Goff was requesting, but also he made mention to this thing called a First Amendment right stage. It's actually not too far from Media Row. It's a place where they pulled up this actual setup on Friday. It was erected Friday into Monday. It's actually right behind the media section coming up tonight at 5. We're going to talk more about this and with attorneys about it. So I asked the sheriff for this area. And he said that, yes, this is an area where people can go and express themselves, but they still have the right to express themselves anywhere else on this public property. If folks were not able to or forbidden from doing that, that would be a violation of their constitutional rights. More on this and the trial and searching for those jurors coming up tonight at 5. Reporting live, Janice Harris, Channel 4, the local station. Okay, great reporting about Janice Harris for uh, Channel 4, uh, JAX. Okay, now, uh, very quickly here, I'm going to go to this next story here in just a second. Uh, so the judge uh, said that protesters can, can protest. They've been peaceful protesters. There have been no problems, no issues. Uh, not like the January 6th insurrectionists, not like, not like those protests of January 6th. So you have uh first amendment, first amendment rights stage erected over the weekend across the street from the courthouse. And jury selection continues now. At the end of Thursday, in the th last Thursday, they had uh, 23 prospective jurors. Once they get to 64, then they're going to be given a, another questionnaire. And it's from what I'm understanding, it's going to be secretive. We don't know what the questions are going to be. And they're trying to get 64 down to 16 jurors plus four alternates. Uh, if we look here at the end of the article here from uh, News 4 JAX, it says, uh, after the motions hearing ended, another group of potential jurors was brought in uh, assembly. Let's go to this quickly here. After the motions hearing ended, another group of potential jurors was brought in the assembly room and the sixth day of efforts to qualify people for a jury pool of 64 began at the beginning of the day, 32 had already qualified. So at the beginning of today, 32 had already qualified. So we'll give you another update tomorrow. They need to get the 64. Once they get the 64, then the 64 will be given another questionnaire. They want to reduce the 64 down to 16 uh, actual jurors, 12 jurors plus four alternates. Okay, Janice Harris did uh, some good reporting here on location. All right. Uh, so this other um, story ties into the first story. Ties, in, ties into our lead story today, dealing with the Civil War and the documentary on MSNBC. Um, I saw ABC News has a story also, Yahoo, Yahoo News as well. Confederate statue 
hiding in plain sight near trial of three white men accused of killing Ahmaud Arbery. Uh, this is from October 26, 2021. The Brunswick City Commission voted in November 2020 to remove the monument. Now, the statue is wrapped up in plastic. Okay, here's a picture of it. The statue is wrapped up in plastic, so you can't see. Uh, I'm sorry, hold on, let me pull this up. Okay, this article here, Confederate statue hiding in plain sight near trial of three white men accused of killing Ahmaud Arbery, ABC News, uh, October 26, 2021. So uh, the statue is, is wrapped in plastic, okay? So you can't, you can't see what the statue is or who it is. It's a Confederate soldier monument, all right? Um, and this was, okay, this picture's from the third day of jury selection, October 20th, 2021. Okay, so we see it's wrapped in plastic. It's about a mile away from the Glen County Courthouse. A statue of a Confederate soldier holding a rifle in a park less than uh, a mile from the Georgia courthouse where uh, where the trial is taking place uh, has been hidden in plain sight, wrapped in sheets of plastic, apparently to protect it from vandalism, apparently to protect it from vandalism. So it appears there was a vandalism incident back in 2020 and black and BLM was spray painted on, on, on the uh, statue. The monument has stood for 119 years in the center of Hanover Square in Brunswick, Georgia. And it has become a lightning rod for discourse in the Glen County community since Ahmaud Arbery was allegedly chased down and fatally shot in 2020. We know he's fatally shot. Um, and we know who shot him. They say it was, they say it was self-defense prosecutors and, Many people, millions of people across the country say it was murder. Allegedly. Now, Brunswick City Manager Regina McDuffie said the marble statue was wrapped in plastic by a local resident, wrapped in plastic by a local resident. Okay. Uh, a private, quote, a private citizen wanted to try to ensure the statue was not damaged since we just started the trial in the Ahmad Arbery case. Now, I wish some good citizens had like uh, protected Ahmad Arbery. Uh, I, I, I would think Ahmad Arbery needs more protection than the statue. That's just me, but I mean, you know, the statue still standing, Ahmad Arbery's not. So, I, you know, I wish, you know, some good citizens, some private citizens had protected Ahmad Arbery as opposed to trying to protect the statue of a traitor to the union uh, committed treason based upon article three, section three of the U S constitution. Um, McDuffie told ABC Jacksonville, Florida, a uh, Jacksonville, Florida affiliate WJXX quote is not the city's plan we don't have anything to do with it as far as how long it will stay wrapped. It's not the city's plan. We don't have anything to do with how long it will stay wrapped. 
Now, the Brunswick City Commission voted in November 2020 to remove the statue, but no timeline was set. This, you know, okay, so you voted to remove the statue, but you didn't set a timeline? It's like saying, okay, some people not don't like this example. <laughs> Whoever complains may be a hit dog hollering, but it's like getting engaged and you like you've been engaged like two, three years and no no marriage date, no wedding date. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's a bad example, but <laughs> I mean it, it may apply to somebody. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> so so they voted in 2020 to remove the statue, but no timeline was set to remove the statue. A Georgia Court of Appeals ruling in August uh, of, of 2021, a, 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 sorry, a Georgia Court of Appeals ruling in August that denied a motion to block the removal of Confederate monuments paved the way for the city to uproot the statue. Okay, the statue was vandalized in 2020 spray painted with the letters BLM, uh, apparently for Black Lives Matter, on the pedestal. So they wrapped it, the private citizen wrapped the statue to, because we get, we had to protect the statue. We don't want anything to happen to the statue. I, I wish they had to protect the Maude Arbery. Read the rest of this article here from uh, ABC News. Confederate statue hiding in plain sight near trial Three white men accused of killing Ahmaud Arbery. All right. If you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. We're here six days a week. This, this helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting. Pay the bills, etc. Because even though you know I'm on nine ten six days a week, so as some of y'all know I don't get paid to do radio. So this helped. We had to be creative and generate rate, uh, you know, generate ways to generate revenue to keep going. Um. Okay, so when you when you go through, you do it through uh, Cash App. It's uh, dollar sign the A H N show S H O W. And it'll say Michael and show my picture there also. Okay, that's our official Cash App account. Africa, because these other ones are fake African History Network Cash App accounts. All right, so this is ours. When you go to it, it says Michael, and our tag is dollar sign the H N show S H O W, and it shows my picture there as well. All right, um, be sure to register for the uh, our Saturday class. From the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. You can use this with your children also. Uh, I would say the content is PG-13. It's not overly graphic. Um, it's not, I don't uh, do a lot of cursing and things like this. You know, so I would say the content is PG-13. And it's at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We do this class Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Um, and... We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded, so you can go back and watch it anytime. All right. We have to get out of here. Remember the African History Network. We focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. 
because right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, and, and also, if, if you want to advertise with the African History Network, um, email us at ahnshow at um, africanhistorynetwork.com, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. Uh, African-American business owners, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. Uh, our current promotion is buy one month, get two months free. Okay, so we take your 30 second to 60, 60, 30 second to 60 second commercial. It uh, airs when, when we rebroadcast these shows. And also it airs in the audio podcast version of our shows. We're on 10 different audio podcast platforms. We're on CastBox, iTunes, FM Player, um, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. We're on 10 different audio podcast platforms uh, as well. If you don't have a commercial, uh, we'll create one for you at no additional charge. So uh, email us, ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. We can get you up and running very quickly. All right. Uh, be sure to uh, visit Black on Purpose, uh, blackonpurpose.com, blackonpurpose.com, uh, because they have, they're have they airing some of our shows there uh, on Black on Purpose TV. Okay. Uh, let me pull this up here. Uh, BOT, BOPTV.com, BOPTV.com, uh, which is BlackOnPurposeTV.com. And they're on Amazon, Roku, and they uh, air some episodes of the African History Network show uh, as well. All right, remember, right now, correct wrong behavior is not over till we win. We're kind of forever, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today.